Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am really excited and honored today. I have a very special guest uh, with me. Her name is Natalie Summer. She is a certified relationship and intimacy coach. Natalie teaches workshops and counsels people all over the world, helping women and couples experience complete confidence, sensual pleasure, and deep intimacy in their relationships. And I have a feeling that this conversation is going to be really, really juicy. Welcome, Natalie. (laughs) Hi, John. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited and I feel really honored to be here with you today. Thank you. (laughs) You, you do really amazing work. And before we get into that, I just want to ask you, um, because you were, you were raised in Australia. Yes. Switzerland. Switzerland. I'm sorry, (laughs) but you've, you've gone all over the world, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I want to know how, how have, has your adventure in Hong Kong and now back to Spain helped propel you on this journey to do the work that you're now doing? Well, I left Switzerland when I was 19. So Mm -hmm. I was always quite adventurous. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to live in Australia. So I moved to Australia and lived there for 13 years. Then I spent time okay. in Hong Kong, now in Spain, and moving slowly back home. But I think it also tells you something about my personality that I am naturally adventurous. And I think when you're moving to a new country, you have to be open. Uh-huh. If you're not open, it makes it really hard to integrate, to make friends, and to adapt to the culture. So I think it's taught me to be that. Uh-huh. And I guess with the line of work that I do, I have to be open-minded. <laughs> right, of course. You have to no be judgment. prepared. You have to be prepared to hear and see it all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I really feel that it's taught me all of that. Uh-huh. And what was your what was your experience like in Hong Kong? Um, Hong Kong was great. I moved there. I never even visited. I thought, no, this is gonna be a great place for me and my husband to live. And I would say probably was the best thing that actually ever happened to me from personal growth, um, business growth, the community, the city, it's just full of opportunities and an amazing network of support. Uh So it really gives you opportunities to really flourish in whatever it is that you choose to do. Uh So I was really grateful for that. And And I I guess from a working point of view, um, it's very tricky to be in a relationship when you're in Hong Kong. Because you're away from your surroundings, you're away from your family. Normally, the husband will work really long hours. The wife is often a trailing spouse. So she needs to find herself and her role again because maybe she's brought her family. She may have maybe left a successful job behind. But now she's also got help. Um, People usually have a helper. So it's often the question is, well, who am I and what do I really want to do? And what's actually my role now? So a lot of relationships find it really tricky to actually find a balance within that. And so how did you find the cultural differences between women from the West and women from the East? And then, yeah, there is this other side to Hong Kong with the locals. They are not used to talk about their emotions. They don't even use the word sex. Like (gasps) they just don't. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So 
absolute taboo. Um, yeah, it was, it's been a really interesting experience to learn more from them on how to show them how to open up and how it's okay to share or to talk. And even relationships, there is, there is affection, but often you don't really see intimacy, let alone, definitely not in public, uh -huh. definitely not in public. So there's a lot of shame. Do you feel like in, behind closed doors, are they able to have intimate com conversations and connections or is that still, do they the, still hide? Yeah, they still hide. The younger generation is getting better, I feel. Uh-huh. But I think they also really struggle because it's something they've never learned from their parents and their parents are so in it open. And yeah, it's, it's even, I think, within young couples, there's struggle there too. Uh-huh. Well, and I would imagine, how long were you in Australia? That's where, that's where I thought you were from. <laughs> but you lived there for how long? 13 years. 13 years. Okay. But even in Australia, and I find this in the U.S. too, people don't openly talk about sex. I mean, I just had this conversation with my kids. I have three, well, two teenagers and a 20-year-old, an 18-year-old. 20-year-old son, 18-year-old son, and 16-year-old daughter. And of course, with them and with their friends, I have conversations about, you know, relationships. And um, my son just had a party the other day. And of course, I'm promoting my podcast saying to these girls, especially like, don't you want to learn about intimacy and arousal and desire and sex and relationships? And they're like, yeah, but who do we talk to about this you know, because I don't feel comfortable talking to my parents and I, um, I just Google stuff and hope, mm -hmm. hope that I find the information that I need. And I thought this is really sad. I mean, and this is why I wanted to do this podcast so that we could bring this, these conversations out in the public so that people would mm -hmm. feel more comfortable saying, Hey, I struggle with this, or I don't know how to deal with this so that we can all have a language, you know, mm. a common language and a feeling of it's okay to talk about this stuff because it's a big part of life. Mm, absolutely. It's so needed. It's so needed. And we're so lucky that now we do actually have more of a voice where we can express through social media, through podcasts, through writings. Yeah, It's still a lot of holding back but there's also a change and I think even for the younger generation it's so important that they can embrace that I'm yeah. excited to see what will open up for them and hopefully more safety and more pleasure <laughs> yeah because you know a lot in, a, in the majority of sex education classes around the world it's basically either abstinence or use condoms because here are all the STDs that you can get mm -hmm. and you don't want to get pregnant or get STDs but no one really, so that, that's like the technical aspect of sex, but yeah. what's the emotional, um, physical, intimate, relational aspect of sex? I mean, this is mm -hmm. what I want to talk about, and this is what I feel like your work is about. Yes. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes, and what I'm very passionate about, too. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Let's, you know, yeah, bring a voice to that. And yeah. I think lead by example, show that it's okay to talk about it, show that it's okay to, to express who you really are and what your deepest desires are, that it's okay. <laughs> and so I, I saw something that you mentioned that 
that you did have open conversations with your mom. So how mm-hmm. did how did those conversations go when you were a teenager? Because usually when you're a teenager, you're like, I don't want to talk about this with you. <laughs> yeah, well, don't get me wrong. I had shame too. <laughs> I absolutely had shame. I felt very ashamed about that topic with my mom. But I guess growing up in Switzerland where I don't know, there's just, I think physically, there's just more of an openness. It's okay to go um, in the public, to go to a spa or to go swimming and you just shower naked in front of everybody. Uh-huh. And there's just, I don't know, there's just something, there's a, there's a bit more freedom within the body naturally. So there's uh-huh. a bit less shame I felt. doesn't necessarily mean there's less shame around sex, but just more around nudity. There's just a, a more of an openness. And even amongst friends, we, there, we talked about things really open without uh-huh. really feeling shame. Now with my mom, she said to me when I was, I think, 14, 15, she said to me, she sat me down. She said, here's a magazine. I'm going to buy this for you every month. And it's all about sex education because I want you to be safe. Wow. <laughs> and if you have a boyfriend, I want you to bring him home because he can go and do it anywhere you want to. And I know you will do it, but I'd rather have you bring the person home so I know you're safe. Wow. That's really open-minded. <laughs> yes. And so I was really lucky. Was the magazine geared towards teenagers or just people in general? Teenagers. Mm. Why don't they have that all over the world? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) They really should. They really should. Yeah, I think it came from Germany. So Germany is naturally a bit more open towards Uh sexuality. Uh So we were lucky to have the influence from that in Switzerland. And so then did you have conversations with your mom? After reading articles in the magazine, like, huh, um, what about this? She did say I could talk to her about it. I felt too ashamed to talk to her. Um, you know, you read some of the things, you're like, whoa, you can do that? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God, I, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> so there was always like a spark of shame and curiosity. Yes, like There was yes, always yes. curiosity there, like, oh, you can, but also, oh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Um, so I never talked to her about it, but it definitely initiated talk within girlfriends. Uh-huh. So, so how, did, how did this lead you to doing the work that you do? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I feel because my mom made it quite open and safe around sexuality for me. I don't, I mean, we all carry shame. Don't get me wrong. We all carry shame, but it made it more open for me to feel like it's natural and it's okay to experience and to explore. So mm-hmm. when I was in relationships, I was quite open about it and I wanted to explore. I wanted to, to, to feel what I could experience and what I could feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and were your partners so I would, open to, to talking about it? Mm, some of them, yes. Some of them, no. <laughs> and I think when they weren't, it was a struggle for me. Yeah. So I would say I was always quite sexually open. And when I, and through my coaching, I would always sort of attract women that would come to me that would say, I'm looking for love or I'm in a relationship but no longer happy or I'm having an affair or my partner is having an affair or just had an affair. And that kind of also made me more curious about the whole topic of relationship and intimacy. Uh And then I stumbled across Jaya, who is the creator of the erotic blueprints. And I was like, wow, this is kind of, this makes complete sense, those erotic blueprints. And I wanted to study with her. And through that, I, yeah, I gained some amazing insight, but also in my relationship too, it really turned things around as well. Uh-huh. That's in my one, marriage. 
that's that's one of the things that I that I have told my kids. I said, if you can't have an open and honest conversation about sex with the person that you want to have sex with, then you probably should not be having sex with that person. Yeah, great advice. <laughs> because because I think it's I don't know if it's the same for men, but I know for a woman, like I need to feel completely safe mm. in order to be able to open myself up and express myself in a way that I'm giving to, if I'm going to give to somebody, I need to feel safe knowing that they receive me in a good, you know, in a positive way. Yeah. Not just, you know, being used and discarded. Yeah. So I, I feel like this is a, a large part of, the struggle that we have as women is that sense of safety that we can show up and not be ashamed of all of the things that are going on inside of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I fully agree. I always say that women, our foundation of what we need is safety, Uh emotional safety. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when we have the emotional safety, we can open up. For a male, it's he wants to feel enough. <laughs> he wants to feel that he's capable. He wants to feel that you know he's in his masculine, and that's when he can open up. Uh-huh. So yeah, I fully agree with you. We need to have that emotional safety, and even though we can be so independent and so capable of doing everything, but without that emotional safety, we disconnect. And when we disconnect, we numb, and really hard to open up intimately. Right. Because I can even feel safe within myself, which is where it all starts, right? Mm -hmm. When you, when you fully accept yourself, I mean, that, that shame that you can accept those parts of yourself and really um, love and honor all of who you are. You can have that sense in your, within yourself. But if your partner is not creating that container for you to show up in that way, then that's, that's that disconnection, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So, so let's, t- let's get, let's dive right into the juice. <laughs> let's let's, let's talk about that, that erotic blueprint, because I, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned this right before um, we started, but I took the quiz. Everybody should take this quiz because it's really, um, it's very informative. So mm-hmm. Please share, Natalie. Please, please. (laughs) So I'm going to quickly share my personal story with that. Yes. um, And how it changed my marriage and our intimate life. So, you know, I always felt like, oh, I kind of know what I want or I know what I enjoy. And I felt like my husband kind of knew too. And I thought we had a pretty good sex life. But once I discovered the blueprints, I was like, wow, actually, it makes so much more sense because we speak complete different languages. And on a shallow, on a shallow level, it worked really well. But on a deeper level, I also noticed there was struggle and there was hurt. So what kind of different languages were you speaking? Can you give an example of (laughs) the differences? Yeah. So the way how I would initiate sex and the way how he would initiate sex would be completely different. <clears throat> so for example, I would initiate sex in, in, a, in the central blueprint, which I'm about to explain. 
which I would go and snuggle and cuddle up and, you know, touch him and kiss him. And he felt, oh, Nat wants snuggle time. <laughs> Where I'm like, no, I want sexy time. <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't respond. So I was like, oh, well, then obviously I felt a sense of rejection. Right. And I was like, oh, he's playing out in the mood. Where to him, it was just like snuggle time. So we did not match on the same level there. Uh-huh. Or for example, for me, if he would say, baby, do you want to make love? I'd be like going into my central shadow side and I'd be like, oh, well, I haven't had a shower or maybe I still need to do that or I'm feeling a bit too sweaty or I'm so full after dinner. (laughs) I'll be so much caught up in my head and be like, no, actually, you know what? No, I'm not up for it. If you would have just initiated in my language, in my blueprint, I would Uh have, I probably would have responded, but because he asked me and I moved into my shadow side, it didn't bring out the best in me. Uh-huh. So now that we learned about each other's blueprint and how to initiate and how to talk and what we both need to feel, it just really changed things around. So there's no more a sense of rejection or not feeling understood or not feeling desired. And so what, what is your husband's blueprint? So he's a sexual. So there's five different blueprints. We've got the energetic, sensual, sexual, kinky, and shapeshifter. You want so, to, yeah, tell us a little bit about <laughs> each one, please. Yes, I'll quickly go over them briefly. I won't be too long. Um, so we've got the energetic. So the energetic is turned on by anticipation, space. They need to feel an intimate connection, light touch. If their partner's feeling really aroused, it arouses them too because they can just feel the energy of their partner. Mm-hmm. Um, they often don't need to have intercourse. They're just happy just to, to experience pleasure without having intercourse course and they can also be um, energetically orgasmic so they can just experience orgasm without feeling touched so even with the more space the more anticipation the more aroused they get basically how how does that work that yes. that concept like <laughs> just breathe and you can have an orgasm really <laughs> it is possible yes <laughs> have it you experienced possible. that Yes. <laughs> Can you please teach me how to do that? <laughs> yes, I will. I will. That's going to be in another show. <laughs> uh, so, and then there's a shadow side to each blueprint as well. So the shadow side of the energetic is if your partner comes in too quick, too fast, it goes straight for your genitals, you just short circuit. Yeah. So again, you need to have lots of time, lots of space. So too quick, too fast. You're just like, whoa, too, too hard, too fast, just short circuit and just it's done. And mm-hmm. um, the other shadow side is that because often they believe that maybe sex should be a spiritual experience. So it's just so much about working with energy that can be a little bit judgmental about other sexual exploration. Mm-hmm. So that's the shadow side. Mm-hmm. Um, then the central blueprint is they love to have the environment set up perfectly, candlelight, music, scent, have a nice shower bath, receive maybe a massage, lots of passionate touch, lots of kissing, lots of foreplay, lots and lots of time. Um, which tells it the shadow side is that if the environment is not quite right, they find it really hard to, to embody the experience because there's so much in their head. So if they're still need to think about work or if they're still thinking about having to do laundry or they haven't showered or the sheets are dirty. You mean like <laughs> most just, women? <laughs> a lot of women, a lot of women <laughs> are like that. So they find it really hard to get out of their mind and into their body. So it's really important that they, Make sure that the environment feels right, that there's time to be able to go and explore. Um, Don't rush me. 
don't rush me exactly. So often for them, it's really important to let their partner, by the way, this is what I need, or I need to have the environment right, or maybe we need to schedule sex so that I can fully relax and make sure that we can really enjoy ourselves. Yeah. Um, Put the kids to bed, please. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, then you've got the sexual. The sexual is turned on by basically straightforward sex or pleasures, direct genital touch, definitely need to have an orgasm, sex is there to have fun. And often we think that that's the, that's the male in today's society. But I've actually also met a lot of women that their primary blueprint is sexual. And I've also met a lot of men where their blueprint is sensual. So we often think sensual is women and male is sexual. But if you uh-huh. dig a bit deeper, um, that's not always the case. Uh-huh. So usually they are turned on, basically sex is just there to have fun and need to have an orgasm. So it's it's really goal-oriented. Really goal-oriented, absolutely. doesn't need to have all the energetic or the sensual, but it's there to have fun and have a good time. So the shadow side to that is that can be a bit selfish. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you think? (laughs) What's in it for me? (laughs) Exactly. They're like, well, I'm fine and... I don't need all the other fluff, so I'm good. I had an orgasm. You can you can figure it out on your own. Yeah, exactly. So that is a shadow side, and the other shadow side is to that because having an orgasm is so important, or having the performance there is so important. So if they can't get an erection, if they can't get wet, they put a lot of pressure on themselves, and then it becomes really not enjoyable anymore. Yeah. So yeah. That could, that could lead to a lot of shame and judgment mm. and criticism. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then we've got the kinky. So there's two different sides. There's the psychological side and there's the physical side. You can either be both or you can just be one or the other. So psychologically kinky is usually turned on by a role play. Need to have, they need to experience words of stimulation and basically anything that's taboo or out of the box. Uh-huh. The forbidden. The forbidden, absolutely. All the juicy forbidden. And again, psychologically, it's basically just getting to somebody gets, or you get into your partner's brain and it just used the brain with arousal. Which, um, which imagination and your brain is the biggest, it's like your brain is your biggest sex or, organ. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You really underestimate that. Yeah. So hearing a real juicy story and something a little bit taboo will be a great arousal point for the for the kink for the kinky um psychological blueprint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said there's the psychological part and then the what's the other part? Physical. Physical. So again, anything taboo and that just through sensation. So they probably will enjoy slapping, spanking, hair pulling, scratching. Um, it can be quite, it can still be quite vanilla or it just could be just like a silk tie or just being, just being handcuffed uh-huh. or it can be quite extreme going extreme into the BDSM world, which is, it's like endless. So yeah. basically what it comes down to, you just turned on by the taboo. Mm-hmm. The shadow side to this, um, kinky is that often they feel a lot of shame. So a lot of people won't even admit that their blueprint might be kinky because they just feel so much shame about desiring something that's just taboo or out of the box. Mm-hmm. And the other shadow side is that once they get a taste for what they like and it's in the taboo realm, they want to experience more and more and more. So sometimes they just get really lost in that world. And when it comes to having like beautiful vanilla type sex, they'll be just like, no, I don't really want to have that. It's just too boring. 
Yeah, it's like their their sense is so heightened that anything below that height is unfulfilling, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so do you do you think that porn has has um, uh, well, let me just say, I feel, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that porn has done that to people. That that mm-hmm. porn displays such extreme heights of forbidden mm-hmm. that you know the more people watch it, the more um, the more sensationalized it gets. So that the real is unfulfilling and I, and, and that to me, I think is a problem. Mm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Um, I think it's not helping male, especially when they're young because they get this con this concept of sex just being something purely physical. Uh But even though that might be thinking that deep down, I do feel that we all, we all want connection. Uh Uh-huh. Even if it could just be like a physical experience, we still want to have that connection with somebody else. Right. So yeah, it definitely gets overshadowed through porn. And so how do, so how do, how do people overcome their shadows in these aspects? Um, well, so through the blueprints, it's just understanding those shadows, first of all, like understanding mm-hmm. that there's a shadow there and then you can learn give yourself the support <laughs> that you don't have to experience them or that you can work through them. For example, a sensual shadow, you know that you need to have the environment right. You know you need to have time. So make sure that you can support yourself in your shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, if let's say the sexual, you want to make sure that you support yourself in the sexual, that you're not too selfish <laughs> and that you don't put too much pressure on yourself. So have understanding yourself in your shadows, it just it allows you to give yourself the support that you need to work through them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's so important to have communication with your partner about what your shadows are. So you can explain, you allow yourself to work through them yourself, but also your partner is aware too of what they can contribute to support you in that. Mm-hmm. And and also you want to talk about the shapeshifter, which apparently yeah. you and I are that. Yes. <laughs> so well, that's the one that's called the most advanced. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> As in the most advanced that yeah, the shapeshifter basically enjoys it all. They ex- like to experience all the different blueprints. Um, not necessarily all at the same time, but can also be ideally in the same time. Like, to Is that possible all, all at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Having the energetic connection, maybe doing a meditation beforehand, making sure there's candle lights and beautiful scent, then, you know, getting some silk ties out, <laughs> having a great orgasm. <laughs> Absolutely possible. So the shapeshifter is, the, which I say is just the most advanced because they can easily shift into all the different blueprints. Mm-hmm. They can shift into the energetic, they can shift into the essentials. If their partner is one particular blueprint, it's very easy for them to shift into that and just to enjoy themselves too. Mm-hmm. The shadow side of that is that because they can easily shift into the other blueprints, so if their partner, let's say, is a sexual blueprint and they're always being fed into just the sexual blueprint, they will also eventually find something's missing because the other blueprints haven't been fully fed. Mm-hmm. But so is it, is it your, well, it's, is it your responsibility 
to bring all of those aspects that you enjoy into the sexual experience because, you know, I say you take responsibility, but I also want my partner to take responsibility, you know, because it's not just about him. (laughs) Uh, It's about both of us and both of us having a meaningful and pleasurable experience in whatever way we decide. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes it really beautiful when you have this understanding about each other, because I have not met a couple yet that's got the exact same blueprint and the same blueprint stacking. So normally we have a primary, secondary, third, fourth, fifth, Uh and I have not met a couple that's got the exact same blueprint um, stacking. Interesting and and not surprising, actually. Yeah, yeah. So then people go, well, how do we make it work? Well, you learn to feed each other. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously always in consent, but if let's say, and that's what happened with my husband and I, I was initially in my central blueprint and he was in the sexual blueprint. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really have the same communication, but then I knew he's in his sexual blueprint that he needs feeding in. So I need to give, I can, what do I feel comfortable within myself to feed him in that? Mm-hmm. So he feels fulfilled. He knew um, my central blueprint, so I told him what I need, so he learned to give that to me. So I feel fit that in my blueprint. And then eventually you move into part, you learn to discover more pleasure in your partner's blueprint. So then I had to learn to move into the sexual blueprint and discover, well, what is it actually in his blueprint that I really enjoy? So I, I can also enjoy playing in his blueprint and not for it to feel like it's just a chore. <laughs> so, so like for instance, what did you have to, what did you have to change to adapt to his? The way how, well, first it started with the way how initiate sex with him uh-huh. and that, for example, no, no, uh, no cuddling, <laughs> no cuddling, <laughs> but then also at times, and that's the thing, you know, we're not always in the mood for sex. So I'm going to get quite graphical here. Or yes, graphical. please, please. Yes. <laughs> so for example, if I didn't feel like having sex, I'd be really happy just to be fed in my central blueprint and just cuddle. So if he just cuddled me and kissed me and stroked me and gave me a massage, I felt fully fed. <laughs> and I knew his blueprint. He was just happy with a hand job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, when there were times when we felt like, yeah, we just both felt fed. And of course, at times there's more, but yeah, we just learned that he's really happy with this. This is what he desires. I'm happy to give that to him. And he's happy just to give me cuddles and kisses and give me a massage. And I felt really amazing in that. So uh-huh. it really changed from feeling miscommunicated and not, not desired and feeling rejection into let's really give each other what we both want and what actually makes us feel good. And then you also feel more connected because you feel understood, you feel desired, you feel wanted. Right. And it just creates, yeah, more harmony. And don't you feel like, Natalie, though, that, and I, I have this book, um, it's mm-hmm. called Sex Begins uh, in the Bedroom mm-hmm. by Kevin Lehman. And it, it, it's basically about that. It's like mm-hmm. you can have all these things in the bedroom that you're working out, but if you're not working out those things outside that it prevents you from having this experience in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about, because sex is not just about the bedroom, right? Mm-hmm. Sex yeah. and sensuality and intimacy and connection is not just about the experience in the bedroom. So what have you found, you know, with your work and in your personal life, how that applies 
Well, once sex finishes, you need to start foreplay again. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so tired. <laughs> As in, no, you have to keep the eroticism and the connection alive. It's not just about having the sexual edge, but to have the connection to keep that going. Because often what we do, we finish having sex, then we both go off and we just go and get on with our day. Yeah. And if we then our stay separate. connected. Yeah. Uh-huh. it's important to keep the connection going so you basically always have that fire going of just feeling connected and that can just be by saying something nice or saying something that you appreciate about your partner um, by maybe hugging them a bit longer than what you normally would or to squeeze their hand and just look mm-hmm. them into their eyes and just stay connected mm-hmm. and that or- keeps playing that keeps yeah creating foreplay and and yeah and basically fun as well or say like, wow, you looked really hot this morning. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, um, do, you, do you know that song by Usher? Yeah. That he, this is hilarious <laughs> because when my, okay, I, I, I'm a dancer. And so that was the song that I danced to when it came out and my kids were really little. And you know, the, the sort of rapping part, the, the mm-hmm. end says, I want a lady in the street and a freak in the bed. <laughs> and because my kids were so little, I used to say, and a freak in the band because, yeah. you know, <laughs> and my kids like just recently within the last two years, they're like, oh my God, mom, we just realized what he actually said, a freak <laughs> in the bed. And I said, well, yeah, because a woman can, wants to feel like a lady on the street. Mm-hmm. If you're treating me like a lady, then I'm more willing to express my freak in the bed with you in the bedroom. Yeah, absolutely. So it goes all, back to that safety. Yeah, that safety, that sense of I want I want to feel connected to you in all these other ways so that I can fully express myself sexually to you at the end mm-hmm. of the day or what you know, whichever part of the day you prefer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel that men um, have the same sense of wanting that safety and connection as well? Or that's, it's different for men. It is different for men. I mean, first of all, they have a physical urge, (laughs) right? Different. It is different. It is different. But I also believe that they also want to feel connection. They also want to feel desire. They also want to feel that, yeah, it comes goes back to feeling enough that they can also make you feel beautiful and they can also make you feel wanted. If they know that they can do that, it just allows them also to open up. It gives them more confidence. Uh-huh. Um, and I think because we are very difficult to read, so I always tell my clients, let your partner know what you want and what you need emotionally and physically. It's a relief for them because he wants to feel like he can give that to you. He wants to actually make you. But if you ask a guy, you should just want to see us happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just want to see us happy. So the more we can open up to what that looks like, the easier it is for them to understand and the easier it is for them to give that to us. Uh-huh. And, and how do we give it back to them? I think the more open we stay, the more open we are, the more, I think, compassion and empathy and love we show, the softer we are, the more we go into our feminine. Mm-hmm. And I think 
to them, it just, us being softer in ourselves, it allows for them to also rise. It allows for them also to feel like, good, you know, it's just, that's kind of what they need from us, acceptance. Mm-hmm. I always believe what men seek the most is acceptance. Mm-hmm. Just allowing them just to be, or allowing them to feel who they are mm-hmm. with all their flaws. And the more we are soft, I feel like the softer we are in that, the more they relax. Mm-hmm. I, I also feel like they want to feel needed. Like, mm. we, like we want to feel desired, you know, and mm. desirable. It's not just, hey, honey, I want to have sex. It's like, really? Mm. You know, I, I, can, I can just do it for the goal purpose for you sometimes, but you have to, you have to desi- re- like truly desire me, mm. you know, and my full feminine expression. And if you're not acknowledging that in me, it's hard for me to disconnect with you. Mm. And, and for, and for men, like I need, I need you to be that place for me. I need you to be that container for me in order to meet you and to say, I need you. I I don't need you because I'm a really strong, independent woman, right? I can do my own thing. I take care of a lot of business. Um, but I need you to be that soft landing space for me. Yeah. And they love being that for us. Uh-huh. I think we often don't give them the opportunity to do that or to be that because we're, we show them too much about we can do it or I'm independent or we don't really share in a, in a, in a way where they can feel empathy as well that, yeah, this is actually, if I get, what is it that we truly want? I think mm-hmm. we often communicate it in a way where it, gets a bit misunderstood mm-hmm. <laughs> leaves them feeling confused mm-hmm. well and they yeah. probably they probably have a harder time expressing their own sense of vulnerability mm-hmm. around that feeling of not enough yeah absolutely. right yeah and so those are those are the blocks that you know i mean this those are the blocks that prevent the connection that we both desire mm. yeah absolutely yeah so how do we how do we work on our communication? How do we create that sense of intimacy and connection both outside and inside? I believe in vulnerability. I think when we start to share vulnerability and say, I'm about to share something that I'm struggling with to share or I feel quite embarrassed about uh-huh. or I'm having a hard time to express, it just creates empathy from the other side because we care about the person. So we want them to feel comfortable to share. Mm -hmm. So I think coming from a vulnerable place is, is where we need to start. And then how do you, how do you be a safe container for your partner to share those things? Mm. You need to also let your partner know what you need when you're about to share. Do you want them just to listen? (laughs) I'm about to share something with you. That's really hard for me to share. And what I need from you is for you to listen. Or what I need from you is just for you to give me a response at the end or just let me express first. Let them know what, what you need or you, or even explain. You might maybe have some emotions coming up or maybe there might be a sense of judgment or who knows what they might feel. Mm-hmm. But um, allow me just to express and then later you can share me what you can share with me what came up in you and then I, we can have this dialogue together. But I think just let them know what you're about to share something vulnerable and let them know what you need from them so they can hold the container or whatever it is that you might need. 
And what about when you don't even really know what you need? <laughs> right? Right? Often we don't know what we need. But I think even just acknowledging that, just acknowledging, I don't know what I need, but I know there's something that I want. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can you help me explore that? Uh-huh. Can you just maybe listen to me or maybe there's something you've seen or noticed? I think just, yeah, opening up is so important. Because I, I also think that a lot of times, you know, there's so much miscommunication around either men trying to fix it, you know, because they like to fix things. They want the solution and women just want to be heard, you know, like mm-hmm. just give me a place where I can express myself mm-hmm. so that I, I might just be processing out loud. You know, I, I just want you to witness me. And I think, I think a lot of times and in, in my own uh, marriage, you know, I, I'm recently divorced and in my own marriage, there were a lot of times where our communication just stopped because of either defensiveness or, well, how was I supposed to know that? Well, this is why I'm sharing this with you (laughs) so that you could understand, you know, that if, if we could both approach each other with this more curious, uh, in a more curious way, like I'm just trying to understand you. Help me understand. Please explain to me. And, you know, let me sit with whatever you share with me because I need to process it in the way that you've probably already had time because you've probably already been thinking about what you want to say, even if you don't know what you want to say, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really about both of you giving each other that space mm-hmm. and that openness and that sense of safety to show up how you are every, every moment, every time. Yeah. And again, that's what creates connection. Uh-huh. I think when we move, when, when both partners meet in a vulnerable, open place afterwards, if both stay true <laughs> to their vulnerability onto the openness, yeah, yeah. there's always more connection. I know I always feel more connected when I talk to my husband that way. And do you feel like, does he say, I feel more connected? Or is that just not in men's vocabulary so much? I can just, there's a shift in him. He's more open, more softer, more wanting to be supported, more just, yeah, wanting to be more supportive. Mm-hmm. It's just a different way to, the, the, the conversation is more loving, more mm-hmm. understanding mm-hmm. from both sides. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I think, I, I think that these are the conversations that people don't know how to have. Mm. Yeah. Right. Who, unless, unless your parents did this, which my parents actually have a really great relationship but I'm sure all of these kind of conversations, you know, they have in the bedroom, right? <laughs> and so how do you learn to express yourself in this way? And how do you learn to accept your partner's expression of who they are? And because I feel like a lot of these breakdowns in communication and breakdowns in intimacy, these are the things that lead to betrayal. These are the mm-hmm. things that lead to arguments. These are the things that lead to, you know, disconnection and divorce. And it's Mm -hmm. like, if we can just 
soften. And this is, mm. this is the energy that I get from you, you know, is very soft and open and accepting. And if we could all just show up with that, mm. what an amazing gift we can give to each other. Mm. Absolutely. It's not easy, but I think we have now, we all have the opportunity to go and learn how to do that. Sadly, it's not getting taught in school. Sadly, it's not getting taught just, you know, to, to young kids where it should really start how to have an open, honest conversation about the way how you feel. But now we have the opportunity to go and learn. And, but we have to take the step ourselves. We have mm. to go, right, I'm now going to go on a journey and learn more about myself, which is very scary. <laughs> Let's be honest and truthful. <laughs> Do I want to know about myself? I don't think so. <laughs> what will it's, I learn? Will I be ashamed? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, it's, but I think once we start and we learn to own our shit, <laughs> yeah. um, that's when we can also be show up. We all start showing up in our relationship different as well, because we can express, we can talk about what's going on. We just need to be honest about what's going on mm-hmm. because if we don't know, we react, we blame. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's what creates disagreement and friction. Right. Blame, shame, criticism, mm-hmm. judgment. I, yeah. Trust me. I have put all of that onto my ex. I promise. You know, I never, I never come saying, oh, I was perfect and he was a jerk. No, I, we were both jerks, right? But, yeah. but I, I do believe it is really owning all of those aspects of yourself and mm-hmm. saying, you know, these, these are the things I struggle with and these are the mm-hmm. things that I want. And, and in my case, um, I really had a hard time because I would express a lot of my needs and mm-hmm. my partner just didn't respond to me in a way that I wanted and I needed. And so, you know, I mean, there were all multi layers of why our marriage broke down, but you know, this is, this is what I want to share with my kids, like how to have these conversations. This is what I want to share with this podcast, you know, and the work that you do, that you are, that you are helping people develop this more like fully embodied which I know is a big word for you, fully embodied sense of your own sensuality and eroticism and sexuality and intimacy and communication. And you want to talk a little bit about that embodiment? (laughs) Yes. I feel, well, it's been such a big journey for me of becoming, and you know what? Your struggles, I think I have those struggles in my relationship. Let's be honest. I'm sometimes a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I know I am. I'm a bitch many, many times. <laughs> so, and I think, you know, we all, we all are not our, always at our best. How can yes. we be? No. Right. Very hard. Credit to those that can. But, um, and I think becoming more embodied in that it's like I've really learned like I think for a long time I was really connected to my emotions and to my mind going through spiritual growth going through personal growth but I kind of disconnected with my body or never really connected with my body Mm -hmm. so learning to also to listen to my body and learn my body to speak its own language and understand that and then integrating that with my mind and my emotions 
it's allowed me to be really truthful or more that than more in my truth, even in my relationship, because I can feel when my body is disconnecting. I can feel when my body's starting to stiffen up. I can feel when there's an emotion sitting in my body and I know now there's something there that I need to go and talk to my husband about. Because I can see I'm disconnecting. <laughs> so being more embodied in myself and then through movement and expression, it just it just allows me just to feel good in my skin, more acceptance of myself, of my body, better understanding of my emotions. So, and I feel that because I'm more connected to my body and to my emotions, I'm also more open. And I think my husband can see that too. Like I move different. I am more receptive towards him as well. And it's been, yeah, it's been the shift I need to do in myself that mm -hmm. I feel has been good for the relationship. So I'm very passionate about other women to be able to embrace that too, to connect with their body, to have more of a loving relationship with themselves, to understand their emotions more, to also love and embrace all that they are in their whole being. And if whether you're single or in a relationship and the way how you show up is, yeah, you just stand more in your authenticity mm -hmm. and it's powerful. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like a lot of people disconnect from their bodies because they can't handle the emotions that they're experiencing in their bodies. Hmm. And so as I, I, I feel like this is really, really important work to hmm. get people to slow down whatever they're experiencing and say, where are you feeling it in your body? What is it trying to teach? What is it trying to teach you? What is it trying to show you? Because yeah. you know, when the shit's hitting the fan, you're feeling it like all in your body, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, right. and so how do you reconnect? Not, not, and I don't mean just the blah emotions, but even the full, like the full, like sensual, erotic. It's like you feel in your body you know, you mm. feel it moving around and, mm. and, and figuring out like how to express that full fullness of your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit, your soul. Like yeah. how do you show up fully embodied? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you just, you show up authentically uh -huh. and that's really, and I think, it just because we live in such a masculine world where we, like we said, you know, we talked about, we're so capable as women to do everything. Yeah. We're very good at running our business successfully, have a great job, being a mom, yeah. <laughs> looking after the family, running the household, looking after our own parents, if they're sick or not well, if they need something, yeah. you know, helping our friends. Yeah. We're so good at doing so many things, but also, if we don't look after our own body and ourselves and we slow down and we listen to what actually our needs are, we become frustrated, become, mm -hmm. become irritable. <laughs> we become, or, or, no, or numb, just numb. Or numb and numb. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I've learned that being more embodied, it just, I've learned to listen. Mm -hmm. I've learned to listen to myself because when it comes to the body, the body never, never lies. We can tell ourselves the stories in our mind. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But when we learn to listen to our body, it's always honest. Yeah. And it's good for, it's good for our health. It's good for emotional well-being. It's good 
it's good. It's just good for our whole being. Yeah. Do you, speaking about, um, you know, honoring your body, you want to give a little plug for your power wand and Yoni eggs? <laughs> yes. So um, I believe the Yoni egg, I really believe it's something that every woman should have. First of all, it's great for your health. Mm-hmm. It's good for you to help you strengthen your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. So it will prevent prolapse. Um, it's good for all your internal organs because they're all sitting on your pelvic floors. So it's like that hammock that holds it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also from a self-connection point of view, I mean, let's be honest, how connected do you feel to your yoni? If, um, if listeners don't know what the yoni is, Yoni is the Sanskrit word for your pussy, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for your vagina, for your vulva. Yeah. Your sacred um, temple. Your sacred temple. So it because we're so disconnected to that part, it learns you, it shows you how to connect in a more loving and in a very non-intrusive way. So you mm-hmm. have this energy vibration of the crystal that you insert into Yoni, and you have that sitting there. So it's got this beautiful connection of vibration. It's good for your health, but you also learn to connect in a non-sexual but sensual loving way. Mm-hmm. And how that will transfer is you start to love that part that you often ignore more because you learn to be more loving. Mm-hmm. And then from an internal point of view, it's learned, um, it starts to stimulate nerve endings. Um, it creates more blood flow. So naturally, we'll also learn to experience more pleasure. So when you're having sex, if you self-pleasure, then you will just experience better orgasms, longer orgasms, and mm-hmm. you just feel more radiant. Mm-hmm. So it's been around for centuries. It originates from China. So it's been around for a long time. And luckily now, we all have access to the yoni egg. And I really believe if you want to start to connect with your female body, do it through the connection of the yoni egg. Mm-hmm. Because having... Rather than just having kegels to just jiggle around, having this vibration in you, it's just, there's just more love. There's just more sensation. Mm-hmm. It just becomes a lot more loving, the connection. Mm-hmm. And the same with the power wand? That's a lot more, that's purely just for pleasure. Mm-hmm. So I suggest for women to use the pleasure wand if you really want to learn to experience deep pleasure. Rather than just having like a, clitoral sneeze type of orgasm that just sort of happens quick, which is great. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. But if you really want to learn to experience deeper sensation and also create a more loving connection with your body to go really slow, to experience different pressure points, to um, move away numbness, we often tend to feel a lot of numbness in our yoni as well because we don't connect with it. So if you want to move away from feeling numb or pain, the pleasure wand is a real beautiful tool to have an experience with. Yeah. A lot of connecting with our bodies. Yes. <laughs> we need to wake ourselves up. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we can have a whole convert next time you come back because you are coming back. <laughs> we can have a whole conversation about just that. I'm sure there are like hours and hours of conversations we can have around just that. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So we're just about out of time, Natalie, for today. Mm -hmm. But um, my last question that I always ask my guests uh, is what, how do you define real love? Because this is all about real love. Hmm, It is all about real love. And it just made me take a deep breath. (laughs) And I think, 
it just showed me naturally. It's just you have to connect with yourself first. Feel mm-hmm. the love for yourself within yourself. Then it can overflow into your relationship. Mm-hmm. But also accepting yourself for who you are um, creates also more acceptance to you with your partner. So both feeling accepted in one another just creates more love. And I really feel that the more love you can feel, feel for yourself and feel your container with, the more you are able to give to your partner and the more they feel loved, the more they'll be able to give back. And I really believe that's coming from a place of acceptance, nurture, care. I believe that's, yeah, to me, that's true love. Or that's how I know I feel loved. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you're energetic, sensual, kinky. (laughs) (laughs) What are the other two? Shapeshifter. What's the other one? What's the last one? Shape shift, and then we've got the kinky shape, sexual, sensual, energetic. Okay. Okay. Yes, yeah. Regardless <laughs> of who you are, love and accept yourself and yeah, the other. Absolutely. <laughs> and well, what about you? Just quickly, what, what, what's true love for you? I'd love to know. Real, real love for me is that unconditional positive regard for myself, accepting mm-hmm. all my shit mm-hmm. and having compassion, understanding, acceptance and forgiveness. Yeah. Our forgiveness is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For myself so that I can offer that to others. Mm -hmm. Kindness, I guess kindness and compassion sort of go hand in hand, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that's what real love is to me. Thank you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. So Natalie, how can people get in touch with you and find out more about your work? Yeah, so they can get in touch with me through my website. I do have the quiz on there. So if you're still not sure yet which blueprint you are, go and take the quiz. Tell, tell them your website. Tell them the name of your website. So the website is www.nataliesummer.com. So Natalie T-H. So it's my full name, nataliesummer.com. And you summer can, with an O. Yeah, with an O and double M. Yes. Yeah. And same, just my name on my Facebook. Um, fan page as well. Okay. And um, you can also get her pleasure wand and yoni eggs there. You can get her (laughs) vegan cookbook. I mean, you're an aromatherapist. You're like, so you're so (laughs) multidimensional. Yes. Very holistic. I would like to take a holistic approach. Yeah. I love that about you. I really appreciate (laughs) that. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Natalie. Um, I am sure everyone's going to listen to this one over and over. We got a lot of juicy information and, you know, inspiration to share with the world. Um, so, so also if you would like to, uh, if you liked what you heard today on this podcast, please subscribe to the wake up to real love podcast and share with all of your friends all over the world. And if you would like support in finding more connection, expansion, um, freedom, and authenticity in your relationships, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Awakening with Dawn. And um, feel free to send me a message, and I'd be honored to help you find and create more real love in your life. And as Natalie so brilliantly said, which I'm going to repeat, (laughs) the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself so that you can be the kind of partner that you want to have. So thank you so much, Natalie. It was a pleasure and an honor for you to be here today. I really appreciate it.
Oh, thank you, Dawn. Such a pleasure and such an honor and a lot of fun. And thank you to all the listeners too for listening in today. Yeah. So thank you, <laughs> listeners. Um, we'll be back soon. And so my, my, um, my uh, question to you is, you know, waking up, how are you going to wake up to real love, both for mm-hmm. yourself and for each other? So thank you, listeners. And we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. Bye.